jump right into it. And this is not a part of a series. This is a one-off. And I ask, what does God need for us this morning? What does God need for us this morning as we kind of close our summer? Um, next week, we are not meeting. Uh, the school is, again, shut down. And so we're just going to rest. And so this is a great time. If you want to check out another gathering, go for it. If you want to just go to the beach, if you want to go to the Newburyport Farmer's Market, that's on Sunday mornings, you can go to that. Um, we are just going to rest and reset. And then on Labor Day weekend, that Sunday, we're going to meet at Moldsley Woods. We have rented the pavilion out. We're going to have bagels, uh, um, coffee, and it's just going to be a time at picnic. And then September 10th, we'll be back inside for the rest of the year. And that's when we'll kick off our kids program. Uh, we're going to kick off a series looking at Paul's journey, his mission journey. And we'll get into our rhythms. We have a lot of things happening. So do not miss what's going on. We have a welcome to Fireside. If you're new to Fireside, we want to invite you to our home the second week of September. We have uh, an Embers info meeting, an Embers night. We have a bunch of stuff happening and then sessions starting in October looking at the book of Galatians. Mom's group going on and I can go on and on, but now we just want to, like kind of the lull before the storm, right? As kids go back to school for those who are getting back into their rhythms. But I want to read from Romans 8. This is one of my favorite chapters. This is what Paul, he writes a letter to the church in Rome. And this is what I want you to do. I'm going to read 10 verses. And if you could just kind of, uh, the best that you can, just soak this in. If you want to shut your eyes, that would be, uh, uh, that could be beneficial. Just soak in these words that Paul is saying to a church that is being highly persecuted. A church that if someone found out that you were a believer, a part of the way that it could cause your death. And so that puts our troubles in a little bit of a different perspective when we hear about what was going on then. And this is what he says to them, and I think this is a word that many of us need to hear right now. Romans 8.18. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation, which is you and me, has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good 
of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Lord, I take these words to heart that there are people right now who are groaning, people right now who are frustrated, who are broken, Lord. God, I pray that this morning they will be encouraged to know, Lord, that you are still on the throne, that there is a day when our bodies will be redeemed, when the brokenness will be made, have sense made out of it all, Lord. We pray, God, for those who don't know how to pray, that you hear and you see us for that day, Lord, when all will be made right. And in the now, Lord, as we go through the storms of life, God, would you reveal yourself in the boat? Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. I don't know how many of you guys are golfers. Uh, I was brought into a golfing family. Kate's dad is, was a golf coach, works at a golf course now. Her brother went to golf academy. So when I go out there, I'm a hacker. I, I make a fool out of myself. And, and they're like birdieing all over the place and all that. And I'm just like not even worth putting my score on the sheet. But I do like golf. And if you are a golfer, you will remember one of the greatest shots in the history of golf was Tiger Woods in 2005. The Masters, he, had, he was in the peak of his career. And at this point, it's the 16th hole. And this shot will go down in, in, in history as one of the greatest shots ever. There's a documentary about it. It's a par three, which means it takes three hits to get to the hole. And he had awful tee shot. He's kind of on the border of the rough. He had about 20 yards to get to the hole. His partner, DeMarco, was birdieing the last two holes, was only two holes behind him. Tiger Woods had bogeyed the last two holes, so he's not playing well. And here he shoots this awful shot, and everyone thought he was a failure. If you listen to the commentary, it's an oh-no type of feeling. Tiger has lost it. But he chips it, and this shot comes up the green, rolls down, pauses with the Nike logo, and then drops in. And he goes on and wins. Best shot ever. I think many people right near here are in between those two shots. You may feel like you've just, uh, feel like a failure. You're going through a hard time. You've missed it. You're broken. You're frustrated. You're groaning. And I want to encourage you that God's not done with you. That sometimes a setback can be a set up for something better. I think this is what Paul is trying to tell his people. I think Paul is trying to tell, uh, tell his people that even though you are suffering right now, even though the world is broken, even though you've missed some shots, don't give up. We went to see the band We the Kingdom at the Soul Fest in Topsfield. And so this was Emmy's first concert, and it was so exciting. Kate and I got to take her to her first concert, and they sat down, and, this, and they sang this one song called God is on the Throne. And they said, the reason why we wrote this is because we asked people, what do people need to hear the most right now? And this was during COVID, kind of having flashbacks of that right now. And they said, what people need to understand as they are so broken and frustrated, they need to understand that God is still on the throne. And so they sang a song 
called God is on the throne. Just think about it. Just think about it. Could you just think about that image that God is on the throne, meaning he's in control when life seems out of control, that he is all powerful when you feel powerless. God is still on the throne is one of the most powerful images that you can have in your mind. He's in charge. When it rains, he is still raining. I hope that brings you some comfort for those who feel like they're in, stuck in a storm and a downpour, that God is still on the throne. And though you may feeling a setback, that could be a setup for something great. You can't always control your circumstances. Things are going to happen, but you can control your response. One of my favorite sermon series that we've preached here at Fireside was entitled David's Response. And what we did is we looked at the life of David and we saw the things that were going on in, in, in Old Testament and then the Psalms that he wrote in a response to that. He wrote a psalm to when his son was trying to kill him. I wrote a song after he had moral failure and murder. He wrote a psalm after he killed a giant. What was his response? You may not control your circumstance, but you can control your response. And your response is what God is asking you to respond with, in a, with a perspective of him on the throne. So don't give up. When I was a kid, I had a Michael Jordan poster on my wall. Maybe some of you guys had it. It was the famous foul line dunk. If you've seen it, it literally looks like he's flying in the air. His feet are like this. His tongue is out. He took off from the foul line and he dunked it and, it, and he won the 1988 dunk contest against Dominique Wilkins and it was this epic battle and that's what sealed the deal. It's on my poster as a kid. I would look at it and say, someday I'm going to dunk like that. It was this iconic picture. But here's what people don't know, that that was his second attempt. He tried that same dunk and he back rimmed it and failed it horribly but he never gave up. He failed the first dunk. You don't see posters of that. You don't even see talk of that. All we remember is how he won and how that picture is one of the most generated posters of all time. If something doesn't work out, that doesn't mean God's not at work. I think this is something that we all need to be reminded of because I think so many of us are feeling like just things aren't working out. And so where is God? Where is a good God when life is bad? When people first come to Fireside, I say one of our big things is this. We want people to know that God is good when life seems bad. This is kind of how we operate as a church. Brokenness is going to happen. Frustration is going to happen. Failure is going to happen. But God is still at work in you to keep going. Thomas Edison failed 2,774 times before he invented the light bulb. He invented it on the 2,775th time. If he would have stopped, it would have been a dark day in our houses. He kept going. That's a lot of failure. Maybe some of you are feeling that same thing right now. You're feeling like, I just keep trying and I keep failing. 
can't get parenting right. I can't get marriage right. I can't get being a student, an athlete. I can't get my relationships right. I can't get my job right. I feel like I'm failing in all aspects. And all I can do is groan and God still hears you. God is still on the throne. This is kind of the story of the Bible. You don't hear a lot of people who are born and everything goes their way and then they die. There's usually a lot of setbacks. Joseph, who is an Old Testament figure, he had a bunch of brothers and who were jealous of him, even though he was the youngest. He was born into a setback. When you're the youngest sibling, you don't receive an inheritance, really. You're already automatically at a disadvantage. But his father loved him more than the others, and so his brothers were jealous, and they sold him into slavery. This was an unjust circumstance that happened to Joseph. He goes into slavery, but God yet is still with him. He doesn't give up on God, and he ends up being the whole head of this household of Potiphar. But Potiphar's wife, who was the head of the household, kind of took Joseph and made him accuse him of doing things he didn't do. And then Joseph goes from the being a slave to being a prisoner. And he gets thrown into the palace dungeon. He probably didn't see daylight for years. So seven years, he's a slave, and he's a prisoner that's unjust, that he didn't deserve. And then a moment comes where he's called to interpret the dream of Pharaoh. He says there's going to be seven years of blessing, seven years of abundance, and then seven years of famine. The Pharaoh takes this to heart and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be in charge. And he goes from being a slave to a prisoner to the second most powerful man in the world and saves thousands. A setback to a setup for something great. And then Joseph's brothers come in and this is amazing story where he is face to face with his brothers who are begging for food and you would think this is the ultimate time to get back at them this is the time he could have revenge on them but this is what he responded and this is my challenge to you how are you going to respond and he says this he says you intended to harm me but God intended it for good Back to Romans 8, this is what Paul, I think, has in mind when he said God works all things out for the good of those who love him. You intended to harm me. God intended it for good. In 1770, right before the Revolutionary War started, a bunch of George Washington's men took down King George III's statue. It was this huge statue. They took it down. They melted it, and they made 42,000 bullets that they used to attack Britain and ultimately win their freedom. One of the best stories of this verse coming to fruition, that you intended to harm me, but I'm going to use what you intended to harm me for good. You've caused tragedy. You've tried, caused sickness. You've caused brokenness. But my response is that God is still good, and I'm going to see this goodness come from this bad situation. But I want to be clear. Those seven years that Joseph was a slave and in prison are hard years. Many of those are years that you're going through right now. 
So I don't want to minimize that. I hate when people like look at your story and you say, you know, I'm really going through a hard time. This has happened. And someone says, well, you know, God could use good out of that. I'm like, I just need a life ring right now. So I'm not going to say that, but I want it to be in your mindset that, yes, God can make good out of your awful circumstance. But I just want you to know not to give up and can't control the things that are uncontrollable, but you can control your response. How are you going to respond? Are you going to realize that God is still on the throne or are you going to think that he doesn't exist? How you respond can be the most powerful thing believers can do. The passage that many people quote, God will never give you more than you can handle. I just want to let you know that's not in the Bible. If someone says to you that, that's not scripture. Because here's the reality. God will give you more than you can handle. Ouch. But here's our hope. God will never give you more than he can't handle. And he that lives in you is able to go get through anything that the enemy throws your way. There's going to be times where you are going to feel like, I cannot handle this. And I want to say, you're absolutely right. But God can. He's on the throne. And when your life seems uncontrollable, he's in control. The disciples, after Jesus was on the cross and in the tomb. Three days of misery, three days of groaning, three days of frustration, three days of being terrified, three days of thinking that they have no meaning, no purpose. And then they get word that he's alive. And then they see him. And everything changes to the point where they ultimately die for Jesus. Some of you are in that seven-year period, and some of you are in those three-day period. And if you're in that state right now, this is what I want to encourage you with right now. What if I were to tell you that your present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed in us? This is scripture. Your present sufferings do not even compare with the glory that will be revealed in us. God can turn any tragedy into triumph. This is what the cross is. Many of you guys probably have the cross around your neck or in your earring. The cross is a tragedy turned into a triumph. The enemy thought they won by nailing Jesus on the cross. And Jesus was like, you intended to harm me, but I intended it for good. The saving of millions of people, what you're trying to do to me is actually saving people. Any tragedy can be in a triumph, depending on our response. And again, I don't want to minimize the brokenness because there are people here, myself included, that is still drowning in grief, trying to make sense of things. And I can't wake up every morning thinking that, like Cinderella, like all the birds are chirping that no i'm not there yet but i have to constantly remind myself that what i'm going through now doesn't compare to the glory that will be revealed one day 
And what Paul says is that's our hope. And you may not see it right now, but he, and then he says, like, well, if you see it, that's not hope. Hope is something for you when you don't see. But I can tell you that it is worth it. I can tell you that is beyond compare for what you're going through right now. And we may not see that triumph until heaven. And we need to be okay with that. We may not see the good until heaven. So my question to you is what's frustrating you right now and how are you responding? In fact, I want you to ask that question with people around you right now. And I want to close with a prayer and then I want you guys to discuss and pray. And when you're ready, and then I'll close us in about five or 10 minutes it could be your family. You could open it up. You know, we're outside, so we're going to take advantage of the space. And I want you to ask and share, if you are willing, what's the thing that's frustrating you right now? What's the thing that's causing you to groan outwardly? What's the thing when I say your present suffering doesn't compare? What's that suffering that comes to your mind? Would you share that? And then ask the share, how are you responding? Because that's the one thing you can't control in an uncontrollable situation. How are you responding? So I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to ask you guys to circle up a little bit. And then about five or ten minutes we'll close. And hopefully Kona Ice will be here, have coffee, hang out. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself now in our lives, God. Would you give us the strength and encouragement that we need to go through the storms that many of us are in right now? Lord, as Paul writes this letter to the Romans, would we receive it in our state, in our time right now, Lord? Would you give us a perspective that no matter what we're going through, doesn't compare with the glory that you will reveal in us and around us, so for those who are frustrated, those who are groans, Lord, remind them that you are on the throne and you are listening to everything, watching everything, and are still in control. It's in your name we pray. Amen.